Good to see you all. Um, John chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. It's our main text. So if you have your Bibles and you want to go ahead and turn there, you can do that. Um, so you may have been here last week when I, Steve already alluded to, it was our favorite team day, but I named, I gave a name to the season that we are in as the porch. Does anyone remember what the season we're in is? Oh, pardon? Invitation. All right, good. So someone was paying attention. They're in a community group probably. They talked about this past week. Invitation. We are in a season that I'm calling a season of invitation. So uh, we're going to learn a Greek word today. Um, anyone know how to pronounce that? <laughs> okay, so it's a Greek word and it says balo. Would you say balo? Balo. So now you can read Greek. And you know what it says, balo. Um, and what balo means, it means to cast. It means to, to take a, a, a net, to send it out. It, it means to, 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 it's a fishing term. It's, it's used. And when you look in the New Testament, you see how this balo comes to life. It's an invitation. There's a purpose that's being sent out to be pulled back in with a result. Balo. And so we're in this season of invitation and balo means to cast. And so the series that we're going to be in for a little bit, actually leading all the way to Easter in 11 weeks, is this series called Balo, the Invitation. So what's the invitation? What is this invitation that we have? What, is, what are we casting? What's the point of it all? Well, we're casting not something of our own. We're casting Jesus' invitation. It's what he was casting and then we're just doing the same thing. It was what he cast, and we're doing the same thing. And here's the deal. We have, the, in regard to this, friends, and I think most of you know this, but we have the very best invitation to offer. We have the very best invitation to share. Now, I'll start out, and this might be a little bit uh, sobering, or you might receive it as, as, wow, Shannon, quit being so mean to me. But I want to say it because I think it needs to maybe jar us awake a little bit or to, to lean in a little bit more. But I said this last week, I want to repeat it. It's this, I firmly believe, I firmly believe this, and I'm convicted by this, that not sharing Christ's invitation is not an option for a Christian. If you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and you do not share that, that, that knowledge, that understanding, that faith in your own life, it, it's, it's not an option. And actually, it, to fail to do so, to fail to follow, to fail to cast that invitation, it's a failure to love people the way that God intended for his followers to love people. And I said I'm convicted by that because... I just think of the times when I have just failed. Jesus spent three and a half years doing that, balo, casting. He, he spent three and a half years doing that. He, he invited people constantly. He made disciples. He instructed them. He taught them. And over the next five weeks, what we're going to lean into, this is a, almost a, a three-month series almost, but for the first five weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to zoom in on the specific invitations that Jesus made to people. And we're going to talk 
in, in, in depth on that. And today we're going to start at the very first recorded invitation because it's, it's what we have. We don't know if he made another invitation, but this is what made it into the scriptures, into the holy canon. And we're going to look at this very first invitation in John chapter 1. Jesus' first invitation is this, come and see. Just come and see. This is what Jesus said. Now, I've known some, uh, <laughs> got to be careful if I don't say names, but I've known some pastors through the years who didn't have a sermon planned until Saturday night or maybe early Sunday morning. And so for every week in the bulletin, when the secretary asked for a sermon title, it was, I'll just put in, come and see. That's what Jesus said, so that ought to work. <laughs> but there are these invitations. And so the first one I want us to look at today is come and see. So beginning in verse 29 of John chapter 1, this is what the scriptures say. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, Okay. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming. A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. This is John still speaking. He says, I did not recognize him as the Messiah but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he is the chosen one of God. So John has, he sees him. He sees him. He points him out. There's some people around him and he's pointing out to them, that is the Messiah. That is the chosen one. I know it because God told me I would see the Holy Spirit descend on the one whenever he comes along. And so he's walking along. They're walking along. John has his disciples, people that are listening to him, following him. John sees Jesus and says, there he is. That's the one. Verse 35, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. And when, Jesus, when, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So now these two disciples who were John's disciples are now following Jesus, wanting to know more and Jesus looked around and saw them following, and he asked them a question. He says, what do you want? What do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? What an interesting question to ask. Stop there for a second. Did Jesus know what they wanted? Yes. He knew exactly what they wanted. This is a very intentional question that Jesus asks them. He wanted them to work out in their minds, in their own minds, in their hearts, what they were doing. Why are you following me? Sometimes God will ask a question to provoke the answer from us so that we will think through it. 
So we'll think through our motives. We'll think through our desires. We'll think this through. So Jesus says, what do you want? Where are you staying? They, they actually answer his question with another question. Right? But it's a good question Jesus asks. What are you seeking? What are you after? What are you looking for? Because these types of questions, when you find them in the scriptures, uh, it's really good to stop and meditate on them and to think about them. Uh, apply them to yourself. What do you want? What are you seeking after? So I love this answer. They said, Rabbi, now they ask the question, where are you staying? We, we want to be where you are. Where are you staying? That's what we want to know. We want to be where you're going to be. We want to spend time with you. And I love this answer because there's something about you, Jesus, that they want to be with. There's something we're noticing right now. There's something, John just said some stuff, and we want to know more. Where are you going? John pointed you out. There's something compelling about you. We want to know where you're going. We want to be there with you. And they didn't say, well, you know, we'd really like some information. Um, we, we would like a course on theology. They didn't say that. They, they didn't ask for healing. They didn't ask for a miracle to happen. They didn't, nothing like that. Where are you staying? Where are you staying? We want to hang out with you. And so his response to that, so he, he wanted them to formulate what they wanted. And his response in verse 39 is his first invitation. Come and see. Come and see. He said it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Come and see. Come and see. He doesn't give them invitation. He gives information. He gives them an invitation to come and see. This is Jesus's first recorded invitation. It's a simple one. Now, consistent with the culture of this time is this. Um, so when you when it says there in verse 39, um, it was about four in the afternoon, they went with him where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Consistent with the culture of the time was that means they went to wherever he was staying and they sat around a table. They sat in a, you know, there wasn't living rooms and stuff like that then. So this would have been like come into someone's home, sit around a table, share food, share drink, share conversation, listen. That's, that's what people did. And so that, and they spent the rest of the day. So well into the evening, they spent time with Jesus. Now, what's the focus of their conversation? We don't know exactly, but we know what just occurred, which is John the Baptist pointed out some, some really important stuff. That's the Messiah. That's the anointed one. That's the one who the Holy Spirit descended on. That's the one. These people that were following John and thought highly of him, John said, oh, no, no, this one, <laughs> this one, don't, don't follow, you follow this guy. This is the one. So we can kind of assume that much of their conversation was, tell us more. We don't know, but that's a, a really good guess by people that are much smarter than me around that. Lamb of God, Son of God, this piqued their interest. Now, at the end of their visit in verse 41, this is what we find. So what's Jesus' first invitation that we know of? Come and see. 
Just come and see. Notice he didn't say, come and believe or come and, 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 and uh, turn your life upside down. He didn't say, come and repent. I mean, all these things are true, and all those things are a desire of God for us to, to, to give ourselves over to him. But the first thing Jesus said was just come and see. We see that this invitation is then repeated by other people. In verse 41, Andrew went to find his brother. Andrew was one of the ones that was there with Jesus. He went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. So do you see this? There's this um, repetition happening of people engaging with Jesus, and then they're turning around and inviting. And everywhere Jesus went, someone was inviting them to come and see Jesus. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now, and it goes on to, what, Nazareth? You know, who can come from Nazareth? You get into that. But there's this invitation. Come and see. Come and see. Before people can follow Jesus, they need to meet him. They need to be introduced to him. They need to, to see. And so what Steve just shared with you is so important about who we want to be as the Porch Community Church. We want to be able to double our efforts in the ministries that are already happening in Valdosta. We want to be able to do more. We want people to see Jesus. We want to introduce them to him. We want to introduce people to Jesus. Because before they can ever follow Jesus, they need to meet him. And just like those first disciples, to spend time with him, experience who he is. So his first invitation is come and see. Now over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at other invitations. I'm just going to tell you what they are, but we're going to get into them in the next few weeks. Um, I want to highlight them because, and here's the reason I'm highlighting them. I'm encouraging you, as you read your Bible, as you do your devotions, as you find yourself in prayer, in worship, in your community group, in whatever you're doing as you're kind of leaning into God, I want you to be thinking about these invitations and see if they kind of bubble up and go, oh, that's what, that's what we're talking about. That's what, that's what we're going to be reading. That's what we're learning. So the first invitation we see is come and see. Then we see Jesus says, follow me, follow me. Come follow me. Then he actually says, hey, come fishing. Come fishing. Then he gets a little more personal. And his invitation is for us to deny ourselves. And in the fifth invitation we see, as he's concluding his earthly ministry, is for his disciples to receive his spirit. These invitations. Scripture is really clear about what followers of Jesus ought to be doing. Listen to what, and now I want to flip over to Matthew for a moment. Very well-known passage. But this is the really clear about what Jesus' followers ought to be doing. This is what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What do you do before you make disciples? What do you do before you baptize disciples? What do you, what do you have to do before you can teach disciples? You do what Jesus did. You invite them. Come and see. You invite them. You, you cast out the opportunity. That, that ballo is right there. Some practical application. Because when we talk about inviting, I, I said this again last week. Last week was like a, uh, an appetizer for, <laughs> for this coming series. Um, but like, we don't, it's not about inviting someone to come to church. It can be about inviting someone to come with, to church with you. Yes, that is a wonderful invitation. But it's the invitation for people to see Jesus. Come and see. Jesus didn't say, come and see, and I'll tell you about something else. It was come and see him. It was come and look upon him. It was come and spend time with him. And so the invitation can be many different things, but they're all about Jesus. So the invitation could be the lunch or the uh, coffee or church or community group. It could be uh, student ministry. It could be all these things. It could be the father-daughter dance. The invitation could be these things. These opportunities for people just to see Jesus at work. Come and see. Come and see. The key point, and this is where for us, as we talk about Balo, as we talk about being people who cast the invitation, who, who share the invitation of Christ, how do we live this out? Again, our part is to invite. Our part is to just invite. The invite is the win. It, it, we don't save people. Friends, whenever Jesus said invite, he didn't say, I need you to go save everybody. It was, no, you just invite people to know me. We, the invite is the win. You don't say people, we just invite people. That's all we have to do. We trust the Holy Spirit of God to do everything else. But we're called to invite. We're called to invite. Jesus has told us to invite and the Holy Spirit has equipped us to invite. I want to ask three questions of you. Because they're questions that before you could ever really, I think, be someone who says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this ballo thing. I'm going to cast out the invitation. The first question is this. Do you know the gospel? Do you know the good news? Do you know what it is that you should be inviting people to? Do you know the gospel? Right? Do you know that? Do you know that there's such a thing as sin? Do you believe that Jesus willingly died on that cross to cover over your iniquity? Do you believe that he didn't remain on that cross, but he actually rose from the dead? Do you know the gospel? Do you believe that because of what he did, that when people call on his name, they can be saved? That their life can be made new? restored to how it was intended to be. If you believe that, so if I ask that question, do you know the gospel? And you're sitting there going, I do. One for one. <laughs> I know that one. 
If you believe that, then good news, <laughs> you now are equipped to share that good news. You have it to share. You have it to offer. So the next question naturally flows from this one. If you know the gospel, the next question is, are you willing to grow in the gospel? And this is where I think a lot of us get hung up. Are you willing to grow in the gospel? Are you willing to grow? Are you willing to do what the word of God instructs us to do? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to submit to the teachings of Jesus? Are you willing to submit to the teachings of the scriptures? Do you dare to believe that what Jesus has asked us to do, that the Holy Spirit will give us the power to do? Are you willing to step outside of your comfort zone because you want to grow in the gospel that you say you believe? So do you know the gospel? Are you willing to grow in the gospel? Which I think leads naturally to the third question. Are you willing to be a person who invites to, to do this Greek word, balo, to cast out that invitation? Are you willing to? Because see, if we actually believe the gospel and we're growing in the gospel, then we have good news to share. And whether or not people receive Christ, that's up to them. We don't save, we just invite. We're just told to cast the net out. Follow, follow, follow. Jesus determines what comes in. We just cast it out. As the band comes back out, I want to make this one last quick point. I wish I could give the credit to whoever wrote this because I read it just this past week. But it has resonated with me. Um, and it's this. Receivers of the gospel should be transmitters of the gospel. Receivers of the gospel should be transmitters of the gospel. And that's it. I just should have started with that. That's the message. We could have gotten to lunch quicker. Receivers of the gospel should be transmitters of the gospel. Would you pray with me? Lord, God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I believe that my sin was too great and I needed a Savior. 
I believe that Jesus is the one who bridges that gap, that distance, that chasm between myself and you, holy God. The only way to you, the only way to to relationship with you, the only way to even know that my prayers aren't just bouncing off a ceiling right now, but you are hearing them with your ears is because Jesus has made it possible for me to be made new this is true for each and every one of us if we believe we have good news to share would you forgive us for being numb to this great reality, to this great love story for this this immense compassion that you have poured out on us through Jesus Christ? Forgive us, God, for not having almost no response at times. Lord, would you forgive us for not even feeling as if we're called to anything more than than just a, a momentary prayer of agreement that you are God and Jesus is Son and the Holy Spirit is whatever the Holy Spirit is and does and though. And that's what we do. Lord, that that's that's where so many people are. That is the that is the the, the all-encompassing description of the faith of so many people and that is so shallow just so shallow and it is borderline lifeless by your Holy Spirit the one who was sent to counsel us and to walk alongside of us and help us to understand your word and to empower us to live out the gospel would you by that Holy Spirit fill us up today fill us up today fill up the 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 cold heart, fill up the calloused heart. Lord, fill us up. Would you, would you give us a renewed sense of purpose? God, would you wake us from our slumber? so very good to us 
You deserve our devotion, our attention, our worship, our thoughts, our plans, our desires, our dreams. They should all be directed to you, to you and through you and for the purpose of making you known. Father, I believe we have some net mending we need, we need to do before we can cast it out. There are some places in our lives, in our individual lives, in our circumstances, in our relationships, in our own heart and mind. We need to, we need to allow some, some mending to take place so that what we follow, what we cast out is, is healthy and good. We actually have something to offer. Lord, with the remaining time that we spend together, yes, this morning, but, but even into the day and into this coming week, would you just continue to, to whisper to us, to speak to us, to call us, to, would you show us those places where, where we have been negligent in our faith, where we have been negligent and pointing to you the way that John the Baptist did. There he is. There's the Messiah. There's the one. And I thank you that you are gracious to us. So whatever conviction we may feel right now, whatever feelings of, of man, I've really messed this up or I've really, I've really kind of dropped the ball on this, that... God, I thank you that your grace sweeps in when we admit these things. Your grace rushes in and says, okay, let's go from here. Let's go from here. We just need to ask. For the remaining time that we spend together, right here this morning, Lord, I pray it would be a time of, of some net mending, of us being prepared of us checking our heart and being people so that when we walk out of here, we're people who we have these three words on the tip of our tongue. Three words. Come and see. And it's in the mighty, wonderful, powerful life-mending, life-changing name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.